0: What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to sensorina.com to check it all out.
1: On today's podcast, we have Nick Petraglia, great guy, uh, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, he was kind of the main man making everything happen behind the scenes at G-Miami for that Division One program. He's pretty much worn every hat known to man, and uh, he's now moved to Columbus to run the Ohio Junior Jackets here, so the OBJ A team. So excited to have him continue to be in Ohio. Uh, really good episode. Dan, what did you take away?
2: Yeah, I had a great chat with him. I think you were starting to get a little bit sick of our Columbus love fest, but uh, I think our local listeners will really enjoy that. But it was just a really, you know, awesome conversation. Nick's a great guy. I I met him once when I was a teenager, like years and years ago, um, and still remember him, just super guy. And I'm really happy that he's in Columbus now.
1: Yeah, I definitely was sick of that, but we had a little bit of a Pittsburgh connection. And uh, we, we finally brought it back around to Hockey IQ later in the episode. So, sometimes you got to wait for the good stuff and this might be one of those episodes, but honestly, I think everything was pretty great. Uh, I I really enjoyed how he takes hockey beyond the rink. Um, Hockey is a vehicle for teaching life lessons and how he goes about giving his best every day. And he's learned from some of the best in the business. I'm a huge Mitch Korn fan. Uh, Coach Katie is, but if you take your foot off the gas one second, uh, he'll, he'll let you know about it. So, you know, you're getting a hard worker with Nick. And such a genuine guy who really gets the, the whole scope of everything. It was an awesome episode. Without further ado, our interview with Nick Petraglia. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Trags. How are we doing? We're good. Thanks for having me, guys. Super excited to have you on. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, connections through, through the way here, but uh, no, definitely excited to have you on. And Now, you're moved from Miami up to Columbus to work with the OBJ. So maybe give uh, a quick background of your story and how you've become the executive vice president.
3: Uh, How far back do you need me to start? Let's go all the way. All the way back. Um, So I'll I'll try to do this quickly. I'm a Pittsburgh boy, uh, born and raised there. Whole family's from that area. Uh, Fell in love with the game. I've got to give Mario Lemieux all the credit on that. I was lucky to grow up in the Lemieux era. So I was born in 1982. So if you do the math on all that, I was, you know, a kid during his prime and nine, 10 years old when they won their first couple Stanley Cups. And then he entered Yager and Francis and all the legends that started coming through town. Uh, so it was easy to fall in love the game, with the game when you're, you're watching greatness Uh, And that's certainly what he was and what those teams were and started playing. I actually got a late start playing hockey. If you kind of compare it to a lot of the people I played with, I started when I was eight or nine years old, played local house hockey with uh, the Westmoreland Eagles and didn't start playing AAA or travel or whatever you want to call it until I was probably a second year peewee. Um so I played my youth hockey in the Pittsburgh area when I was 13 years old, 14 years old my family moved to Minnesota. I spent my 4 years um in high school at Shattuck St. Mary's prep school. Had an unbelievable experience. Uh was around so many high level hockey people not just my teammates but the coaches that were around us. Um just an incredible experience. So my family actually still lives out there today. So that's home for me as well. And then, uh, made another big leap, uh, after my senior year, didn't play junior hockey, went right into college. Uh, was fortunate enough to, to have an opportunity at Miami and then spent, uh, 20 amazing years at Miami university in Oxford, uh, in a number of different roles. So four years as a student athlete, we never left, uh, me and my wife were there for 20 straight years. So four years as a student athlete, right into grad school, uh, got my master's in sport behavior and performance, got right into coaching. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to this maybe a little later, but just an incredible uh, network around me to teach me the game and teach me how to become an adult and, and just learn through the game of hockey. Uh, so I was able to, to do a couple years of um, My grad school, as a volunteer and then hired as a director of hockey operations for two or three years, doing video scouting reports, helping out on the ice, things of that nature, helping figure out the ins and outs of the program and just learning from great people. And then uh, spent eight or nine years uh, as an assistant coach um, at Miami and then a couple years in administrative roles uh, as I transitioned out of coaching with the kids. Uh, you know, starting to become real people. It was hard to be away and not around for their, uh, their youth. Uh, so now I'm fortunate. We took, uh, made a big move this past summer in June. We moved here to Columbus and it's been an incredible uh, journey for us. We feel like we've been here for 10 years already. So working with the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets and, and Eddie Ginger and all of our great coaches and great people here in Columbus. And just for the whole family, just an amazing place to, to raise the kids. And um, it's been good. It feel, feels like, I said, 10 years already. It's only been three or four months, and here we are today. So I guess that's a
2: quick version of the background and the story. That was great. And I'll say on behalf of all of us in Columbus, welcome, and we're thrilled to have you here. Um, there's so much to dive into, but I want to I go back to the beginning before it slips too far out of you know, our purview. What do you attribute going from just starting to play travel hockey as a Peewee to going on to Shattuck-St. Mary for four years? Like, how, how does that transition happen?
3: That's a good question. Um, I guess the simple answer is it happens just by getting better every day and just living in the moment. It wasn't ever part of my mindset, I don't think, when I was a kid to get to any one place. I think I just loved the game. Uh, I think the world had a lot less distractions back then so it's not like we were on the internet or social media or had advisors or I think the world was a lot less crazy back then to be honest it was a simpler life and it was really just about loving the game and working hard and getting better every day and um, the Shattuck thing just kind of happened where it was an opportunity for For me and for my family, uh, my dad ended up getting uh, transferred out to Minnesota and it was just right time, right place. had no idea what we were in for and just kind of did it and it ended up working out. But I cannot sit here and say we had any master plan that we tried to follow or we were looking for greener grass elsewhere. It was just, you know, a day-to-day process where love the game, work hard, surround yourself with good people and see where it takes you. So I never really set out to do anything other than just you know play well for my team to be honest with you
1: team, team player I, I continually when I did research for this always heard how great of a team player you are so I don't know is that something your, your dad got you into or where did that all come from or is it just in you to always be a team player well
3: maybe that's what they say about guys that aren't very good too <laughs> um when you when you look at you got to say something nice you got to go to that um But in all seriousness, um, that's what it's all about, right? Is being part of a team, being part of something bigger than yourself. To me, that's what the fun is, is being part of a team and working with other people and trying to figure it out and trying to contribute to a cause that's not just about you, you know, especially if you're a a competitive person and you want to win. Winning is more fun when you're doing it with, with other people. You go through ups and downs and adversity and and you need people to kind of pull you along and, and be part of that process. And um, to me, that's just always been part of my mindset. I just love being part of a team and around friends and, you know, focus on relationships and, and growing the, the family that um, you get through the game. Um, that's my favorite thing about hockey is just the people are incredible. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are or, or what age you are. You just find good people in our game everywhere you go. And that's always been the most important thing to me, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and you've done a wonderful job down in Miami with the Brotherhood. Um, I don't know if you want to go far back on that story or just maybe what the Brotherhood meant to you or where that all came from and how it came about. Obviously, I, I got the background story, but uh, you know, what does the Brotherhood mean to you? Where does it come from, and, and why is it so deep and powerful to anyone who goes through the program?
3: Yeah, it means, it means everything to me. I don't think you're going to find too many people that love Miami Uh, as much as, as I do Uh, to have 20 years, I never could have imagined I would have had 20 year experience in Oxford. Um, And and what it means, it just means being your best every day, bringing your best self uh, to the team and the program. And Miami is a holistic experience. It's not just about hockey or school or social life. I think you get a little bit of everything there at a very high level. It's a, it's a really special place kind of in the middle of nowhere, there's nowhere else to go. So while you're there, you might as well invest and just be all in on what's around you. Um, And I was just so fortunate. Um, You know, I wore a number of different hats and was in a bunch of different roles. Um, But the people that were around me that I looked up to the mentors, uh, I owe everything to the guys like coach Blasey and Mitch Korn and, you know, other coaches I learned from Chris Bergeron's the head coach there now, Jeff Blaschel, is the head coach of the Red Wings and was my assistant coach as a player. And, and those names that I mentioned are the guys that got me into coaching and gave me my first opportunity, They're the people I learned from. And when you look beyond that, if you look at just the whole program and you're, you're talking about brotherhood, it's about everybody that's ever been part of that program, uh, starting with Coach Katie, uh, who started the thing back in the late 70s. Uh, you have such a tight-knit group of alumni, and that's one thing that I really tried to um, put a lot into is was continuing to help our program and our family grow through relationships and making sure everybody realized that you're always part of the program. Uh, Whether you're, you're a recruit, you're a current player uh, or you're an alum, it's always going to be part of your life. And, you know, seeing the guys come back for games and, and summer alumni events, it's just an experience that never stops. And, you know, you feel that energy and that support uh, in so many different ways. Uh, and like I was saying before, uh, I feel like we'll probably keep coming back to this theme. Uh, it really is all about people. And for me, that was the place that felt right for me. It was the people that felt, uh, right to me. It's where I felt like I belonged. Um, and I still do. So I'll, uh, always have uh, a special place in my heart for Miami and, and always want that place and, and that program to obviously do great things.
2: Absolutely. That's so well said. I want to talk a little bit about culture. It's such a cliche. I wish it wasn't because, you know, what you're describing right there is like exactly what every organization, forget hockey team, but just general like organizations should strive for, do strive for, but not everyone gets there, obviously. I was hoping you could kind of talk us through because I'm I'm curious genuinely like what's what's your like role like with the Ohio Triple A Blue Jackets and how do you plan on bringing that culture to Columbus? Not that the cl- culture in Columbus like needs you know a major overhaul, but I'm just curious like what your take is on that.
3: Yeah, so the culture that exists here is what attracted me here in the first place. Uh, relationships uh, went way back just from. You know, having coached at Miami and, um, you know, Columbus was always a place that we looked to to help build our program. Um, and you look at the guys we were able to to bring over from Columbus to Oxford, um, Trent Volge Huber, and Sean Corrale, uh Jack Rostovic, Kiefer Sherwood, Carson Meyer. Um, you know, there's just a, a bunch of good people that came from this area. And, and the one thing that has always stood out to me was the quality of the character and the work ethic. Um, there's really good coaches and really good people all over this city. Columbus is a sneaky, good hockey town. You know, I've started to learn a lot more about it now that we're actually here, Uh, but people love the game here in Columbus. And I think we're only scratching the surface of what our potential is. I think it's a really unique landscape. Uh, Obviously you have Ohio state that really just dominates, um, you know, everybody's the, the sports world here when it comes to Ohio state football and Ohio state athletics, but, I think professional sports is a different animal and brings out different passion and the blue jackets, you know, you have the, the, the crew and a soccer team, but you don't have major league baseball. You don't have ball or the NFL NBA. It's a hockey town and we're right in the middle of the state. You know, there's so much passion and excitement around the game and the blue jackets. And I see that continuing to grow and it's, it's really special and I'm, I'm thankful to be part of it now. But uh, when you talk about culture. Uh, We're certainly going to be about doing things the right way here. Uh, We have a responsibility, all of us, to help provide an experience and an environment for our kids to reach their potential in life. And it's not just about hockey. It's about all aspects, Um, making sure that we're on the same page with parents and we recognize that we're all in it together to help these kids grow and get better, again, every single day and everything that they do through the, the ethics and the values that the game actually teaches you. Um, And I've I've learned a lot already about how many people um, have the same beliefs and thoughts in this town. And I think the the big challenge is for us to all find a way to work together and, you know, just keep getting better and ultimately grow the game uh, in central Ohio. Because I think there's there's a lot of room for growth. And I think we're heading that direction.
2: That's a perfect segue to what I was just going to ask you about. So thank you for doing that. It's like, you had my list in front of me. <laughs> um, so you grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up not in Columbus either in Cincinnati. I'm curious, like what you think about um, actually, let me just back up. So Pittsburgh, you said you were growing up in the shadows of like the Mario Lemieux era. Right. Yep. So that certainly influenced like the growth of youth hockey and just the sport in general in Pittsburgh. And you know, this generation of kids is growing up with the blue jackets, whereas our generation <clears throat> did not, right? They didn't have that that following, that team to like look to. Do you see Columbus hockey today? Um, maybe obviously Sans Mario, but like in the same spot that Pittsburgh was in when you were growing up, or or how do you, you know, how do you think about that? I do. I
3: think we're right in that sweet spot. Um and I'll also try to connect it back to this. So we're, I think we're at the 20 year mark of the Blue Jackets being here. And, you know, it takes a few generations to, to grow your, your hockey fan base and the culture and just the passion for the game in the city. And after 20 years, I think you're at that point. Uh, and then you really start to, to make an impact when you see the number of former Blue Jackets um, that are now retired from the game, choosing to make Columbus their home. And then they start naturally having kids and raising their families here. And more times than not, their kids get involved in the game, which leads to those former players being involved in the grassroots and coaching with youth hockey. And we're exactly at that point. Um, I think Rick Nash is probably the the name that everybody in this town would say was their first hero, their first superstar. Um, and now, He's in the front office, he's present, he's around. He's an amazing human being. Uh, I had the, the opportunity to meet him for the first time last month and was just amazed at the amount of humility uh, that he has consider, considering how big of a name he is. He's, he's everybody's hockey hero in Columbus. And he's just, you know, a normal dude. He's a, he's a high character person that seems to have time for everybody. He's just, uh, he's a great role model. And that's just one example. You have so many others. And we're lucky in our program, we have tons of former Blue Jackets coaching, whether it's Andrew Castles or Fetter Tutin. Um, You know, Rick Nash's uh, brother, James, is coaching for us as well. Uh, you just have so many, so many former Blue Jackets getting involved. That grows the game. And then you also have kids that grew up here that for the first time are now entering their primes of their career. So you look at Corrali and Connor Murphy and Jack Rossovic, the Sherwood brothers, all of those guys are NHL players now that, that grew up playing their youth hockey here. And, you know, our kids have a chance to look up to, to those guys who are present. They still live here. They're around all the time in the summers and the off season, they're engaged with the kids, they're giving back. And you just have this culture where you have all of these experienced hockey people that are now present, they're giving back, and you only have anywhere to go, but you're going to go up from there, right, when you have all of those people involved. And I think we're really lucky to be right in that sweet spot, like I said. Um, And, you know, it's exciting. I think the timing's great for me to come be part of it and and learn from all of those people as well.
1: All right, now that we've got the uh, Columbus Love Fest out of the way between you two, we can move on to better things, like
3: Cleveland
1: uh, (laughs) continuing to win the state titles.
3: (laughs) Uh, so I'm from Pittsburgh, so easy with the Cleveland. I don't know if I'm the guy you want to talk to on this one.
1: <laughs>
3: I'm a Steelers guy all the way through.
1: I, I was born in Pittsburgh, spent my first seven years there. All my family's from Pittsburgh. I'm fully in on the Steelers bandwagon all the way. I, I mean, I that. have mute tapes from 1988 till 92, literally with all the old beer commercial about Iron City going downtown. All right, that's it all. all right, so we'll get the, Pittsburgh I love it. It. your too. accent's better than I could do. there we go but uh continue with like just great people and you've been around a ton you already named Blossie and a few others um and you actually kind of did the coach Katie thing you you went from behind the bench and supported the team behind the scenes more and more but I'm really curious about my one of my favorite people in the entire world he's just so entertaining Mitch Korn and your relationship with him uh because he's different and even he's guys at so the NHL different. level will be like, yeah, he's just different and on a whole different level. If he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, it's a crime.
3: I would agree with you on that. He is, without question, the best at what he does. My relationship with him, Mitch, is like a second father to me. So fortunately for me and the, the timing of when I was at Miami, uh, I came into uh, Oxford as an 18-year-old. Obviously, I was a goalie. Um, So that made the connection with him much easier. And I knew I wanted to coach, you know, from my experiences at Shattuck and, you know, thinking about uh, what I wanted my future to look like. I knew that hockey was my passion and I wanted it to be part of my life. Uh, I do think that I was smart enough to know that even though I made it to Division One hockey, that that was probably the peak for me. I wasn't going to have a professional career. And I knew that coaching or some sort of role like that was going to be my way to keep the game part of my life in terms of my professional development and, you know, what my career was going to be. And Mitch was the guy that took me under his wing, um, especially in the summer after my freshman, sophomore, junior year, when I was in school, the amount of time that I spent with him in the summer, um, just kind of learning and working uh, under him. It is incredible how much I learned from him. He is legitimately the smartest person that I know. Um, There's nobody that I've ever been around that works harder, that uh, pays more attention to detail. And what I think his greatest strength is, other than his work ethic and attention to detail, would be his ability to communicate and teach to all different types of Learners and people and ages, whether it's an NHL Hall of Fame goalie and Dominic Hasek to a seven year old kid that just started skating uh, and everybody in between. He has the ability to to find a way to teach and communicate in a way that that person can understand what his expertise is and what his his wisdom is. Um, And it was incredible to watch. I learned so much from him. Um, you know, and being around the operations uh, that he oversaw, uh, whether it be the, the rink or the hockey schools, um, he knows how to organize chaos better than anybody. And uh, yes, he is so different, outside the box thinker. That's why I think he's always been ahead of the curve. Um, and he's had so much successes. He's not just gonna settle for success right now and just keep doing things the way they've always been done. He's going to find newer and and better ways to do things. He's, uh, he's adapted. He's coached a high level, uh, especially, you know, goaltending he's been in the league for over 30 years now. And if you look at the position and how much it's changed, um, you know, it's almost like he's coached three or four different positions because they've been so different. And he's evolved uh, and probably been as responsible for as anybody is uh, for the evolution in the position and the way it's been played, just because he's he's always found ways to adapt to the way the game's being played. And yeah, I, I owe so much to him and uh, have a great relationship and keep in touch with him very regularly to this day.
2: I got two quick things on Mitch. So uh, actually the first time, really the the only time I met Nick prior to this was When I was a teenager, I was a shooter at the Mitch Korn camp down in Cincinnati. And I remember, so Mitch, for like the the audience who doesn't maybe know, he's this like short guy with this like thick New York Jewish accent. And like, he does not strike you as like a prototypical, whatever, quote unquote, like hockey guy. And I remember just being like deathly intimidated by him because like Nick was saying, like his camp is controlled chaos and he doesn't wait for you. Like there's, he doesn't care who you are. Like we're on his time. We're go, go, go. And I remember just being like, I'm uh, who is this guy? And like, how is he? He's obviously incredibly successful, but it just like blew my, it was just like a rough awakening for like 14 year old me. So I still remember that like it was yesterday. And then the other quick thing is last summer I was down at a Daryl Belfry's camp in Florida and I was on the bench after a session and it was me, Daryl Mitch and a few other coaches. And I just remember thinking like, I'm with like the two best hockey minds in the world right now, basically like in my estimation, one for goalies and one, how to score on them. And it was just, it was just like an, one of those, like, you'll never forget those moments. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for allowing me. I'm curious, like if there's one thing you can point to that you learned from Mitch along the way that uh, you take with you, you know, everywhere you go, like you try to apply it to your life, something along those lines.
3: Yeah, that's actually easy. It is to, be, to bring your very best effort in everything that you do all the time. Um, that's, that would sum it up, I think, um, the easiest. And you even mentioned it a little bit right there. The expectations he has for, for everybody around him, especially as a coach, um, he wants to bring out the best in everybody. And it's going to be uh, an everyday process. And it does not matter who you are. He expects you to give your very, very best. He demands that, uh, and the best part about him is you're going to give that to him because you know, he's giving it to you every single day. He, he does not take a day off. He does not take his foot off the gas. He is a hundred percent effort, uh, all of the time. And, uh, it's mind over matter. In, in some cases, obviously everybody has tough days and, you know, there's days where you're tired or really don't feel like it, but, uh, to find the mental toughness and and to to figure out a way to dig deep and and give your best, that's probably the biggest compliment I could give to him. Um, that I've learned as well. Um, so yeah, that would that would probably be my answer. What
1: what about his capitalistic nature that he checks out of the hotel team hotel? Like I remember in Washington, he was in the team hotel because he lives down in Florida now, yeah. and he would check out every single road trip to his car and they get on the team plane just because he couldn't be that
3: wasteful. That, that yes, um, that is true. And assuming you, know, you, you brought, brought that with you. He, I, I've learned a lot from him in terms of how to manage money and just be responsible. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that goes back to his integrity too. He could very easily, um, you know, keep his stuff in the hotel room on a two day trip to, to New York city on a road trip and cost the, the New York Islanders, Washington Capitals, whatever team he's been with, you know, the $299 hotel fee by just keeping him his stuff in there. Um, but it's not the right thing to do. So he would check out and he's not going to take a shortcut or the easy way out on anything. Uh, always try to do the right thing for the right reasons. And that would be another example. It's an extreme example and uh, a quirky one for sure, but he's definitely all about that. Again, he's different, but
1: I know I love that point you you just said there. There's no shortcuts. Like you want a shortcut. The best way to have a shortcut is the discipline to do the work every single day, do your best every day. just exactly like you said. So I'm excited to have you down in Columbus and again, continuing to stay in Ohio and keep the hockey strong here. And I'm hoping for the day that a Columbus team finally beats uh, a Cleveland team and wins the state title. That would be great to see, but, kind of curious of maybe that AAA program. Um, what does an executive vice president do so people understand your role a little bit better and then um, the key things that you're going to implement so everyone knows exactly what you're about?
3: Yeah, I guess I'll start with going back to what I said before about um, just, you know, our job, all of us, everybody involved in, in the organization is to provide the, the players an environment to reach their potential and make sure we have, A development model in place where our kids can do that. Uh, Specifically for me, you know, I'm in my first year. Uh, It's a new role, not only for myself, but for the organization. Um, So I'm learning every day, trying to develop the relationships and get to know the people. Uh, But I think uh, really what I'm focused on is making sure that our organization and and the game is growing in Central Ohio, uh, helping connect the dots uh, wherever possible and, and grow those relationships. And and grow the, the family and the people that want to be part of our program uh, and really just making sure we're operating and communicating uh, at a very high level. I think a lot of education needs to be, needs to happen between parents and coaches and just the, the communication of how to navigate the, the crazy hockey world and how to uh, raise the kids in the game of hockey. Uh, and then just also helping our coaches on and off the ice, run their teams, run the program. Uh, it's been fun for me to get back on the ice with, with kids. And, you know, I don't coach any one team, so I've been able to hop around and help coach the goalies, help, uh, with drills here and there, and just kind of get to know everybody and help everyone. So, um, it's been a really fun process for me so far, and we have a lot of, a lot of work to do. Uh, we're looking at, uh, trying to do things differently and, and be better, uh, even looking into to the next year as we get out of this very unique circumstance that we're in right now with COVID and hopefully get back to normal, um, you know, how can we evolve and change with the times and and do things uh, even better? So again, it's going to all start with the people that we have uh, part of our program and making sure we all work together um, for the kids.
2: That's fantastic. OK, so you've you've obviously dealt with parents for a long time, recruiting them at Miami, recruiting them and their kid, obviously, at Miami. And, and now, you know, on the youth side, there's quite a bit of interaction, obviously. like What would you say would be your advice or what would you want parents to know about navigating the youth hockey scene? Maybe not just like at the AAA A level, but just like generally speaking.
3: Yes. Surround yourself with good people, uh, people that you trust, people that have the same values that you you have Um, patience is a huge thing that doesn't exist enough Um, understanding especially hockey uh, this point that I'm about to make I I think it's probably true in all sports but I think it's even more true in hockey because of the nature of our setup and the extra time that you might have with junior hockey and things like that but there is no one way um, there's no one path there's no one timeline. Everybody is different. You can reach your potential no matter where you live if you just focus on getting better every day, learning, being part of a team, doing things the right way, getting the habits that are going to make you successful. That's the key. The key is to live in the moment and to just put in the work and dedicate yourself to, to being your best every single day and trust that process. I think. Uh, too often it becomes a race and, you know, people will hop all around looking for the next best thing. Or, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a lack of accountability these days too. um, people are always, I shouldn't say people are always, um, I think there's a lot of examples of kids and families chasing it and and hopping around when the answer is really just, there's no substitute for hard work, um, get better. And, you know, you're going to reach your potential. So it's, uh, it is easier said than done, but there are so many different ways to do it. And you just have to do it the way that's going to be best for you because there's no one answer to that question. Well said, well
1: said. I, I agree. You need to take time and it's, it's better to be overripe than underripe if you're going to go to a place. You want to make sure that you've got the skills and you're prepared. I think that's huge Um, and and even more so mentally of being able to process and think the game. Obviously that's, that's kind of what we do here at the hockey IQ podcast, but curious to see, you know, your thoughts around hockey IQ, making sure that that's getting developed, not just the physical aspects, all the skills sessions that kids are doing, but you know, everyone says games 90% mental, but yet we're not putting that kind of resources to the mental training. Uh,
3: Where's, where your, where's your head on that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is always uh, a really fascinating debate um, because there's a school of thought that uh, people think that hockey IQ, you're just born with it, and it is what it is, and you either have it or you don't, Um, and there's a school of thought that uh, people think it can be learned and trained and and you can grow, and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle uh, for sure. I do think there's an aspect of hockey intelligence and and just the way players and kids think the game that is just innate and you do have it or you don't, but there is no question in my mind that, that it can get better. And in my opinion, it's, it's the most important skill in the game is the way you can think it and process information. It's hard to teach. Uh, I think that you do that through habits and, you know, being in situations, um, you know, over and over and over again. I think the use of video is critical and just learning the game. Uh, I think it's most important to start that at the grassroots level and instilling the right habits and, and understanding of the game. And I'm not talking about systems or checking or back. I'm just talking about just hockey instincts. And I'm a big proponent of actually uh, the ADM, the American development model with the small games and the, the, the tight spaces. I think that that really teaches kids to make decisions and think in confined areas and think on their feet. And it's a very dynamic, ever-changing game. Right. Um, And I think that, you know, at the, the younger levels, the smaller spaces has been very beneficial to their development as opposed to to come going to see a, an eight-year-old play on full ice, which, you know, there's some advantages to that too. Um, you know, I know this is a hot topic, but the, the small area stuff, I think really is beneficial to hockey sense. Um, having good coaches and, and people that have understood the game at those levels is very important. Um, and then the other thing I'll say, just as, as a player, um, the, you have to take ownership in, in your own hockey education. And you can do it in a number of different ways. For example, when you watch an NHL game at night, don't just watch it. um, Just to watch it, like watch it with a purpose, watch the best players in the world and how they do things and the way they think and the plays they make. And um, you know, their positioning, their reads, Uh, it's right in front of you every single night on TV when, when, you know, it's in season, Um, you know, be a student of the game and you can learn that way. But, um, you know, I'm interested. I know you guys talk about this a lot. and It's a, a big part of what you do. So interested to kind of throw that back at you, too, and, and see what you think on the topic. Because this is one of my favorite things, I think, to discuss. Uh, and it's a debate that's always fun.
1: Obviously, we think you can teach it. Uh, otherwise, I don't think we'd have a newsletter going. So I, I think first step <laughs> for all those young players out there is to get on the newsletter. Uh, constantly doing something like uh, this this past week. We put out setting the edge, um, kind of how Johnny Goudreau, not the biggest guy, you know, but he's a great, great defensive player based on his stick work and how he angles and he forces uh, players into bad spots and into teammates help. So I- I'm with you on that. You can definitely teach it. And it's not always the easiest thing, but it's the most productive way. And uh, we've had multiple guests on so far that have said the same thing is it's all about getting him into those small areas. Um, I. I- Help my dad coach peewee practice and he's like oh yeah we got the whole ice i'm like that's way too much
3: you only need half the ice really yeah the other thing i'll add actually um i think one of the the most important elements that goes into hockey iq and people reaching their you know max potential it comes down to your passion and love and just how much you care about the game of hockey because when you obsess over it you truly love it you're going to do everything that you can to get better and to learn and to apply, uh, the things that you're seeing and being taught, uh, being coachable and being open-minded is so important. Um, recognizing and understanding that there's not just one way to do things, one way to play, one way to coach, like just be open-minded. Everybody can learn from everybody. And it's not just players learning from coaches, coaches learn from players too. And I don't care what age you are. Um, you know, just having a growth mindset because um, the game's always changing and adapting and evolving as well. So the learning never stops, but I think that when you have that passion and love um, you're certainly going to put more time and, and dedicate yourself to, to reaching your potential than those that, that don't have the love and passion. That's for sure.
2: Totally. Agree that's,
3: with that.
1: I got, I got one more here for you because I think this is so cool. There's the environment of learning um, and, and, Hometown Cleveland Browns, I think, are doing some good stuff here. Their entire training camp was not about preparing so much for the season. It was all about learning and how can the offense help the defense. So they're putting offensive line and defensive linemen together so they can learn from each other. You know, what am I trying to do to you? How are you trying to attack me? All that kind of stuff. So I think that's huge in creating that environment that even players are learning from each other and they're constantly asking questions. It's hard to create that environment, but it's something great and something I've tried to do with cookies, you know. At Akron, it's just learning from each other all the time, constant flow of information and just kind of building that brotherhood like you yeah, had down in Miami.
3: Yeah, but, I was just going to say in terms of the learning uh, and the example you just had with the Browns, uh, taking it back to hockey, you know, I've spent a lot of time working with goalies over the years. And, you know, when you look at that position and how much goaltenders have – applied themselves to learning about shooting tendencies and just the game that happens in front of them. I think just recently players really started to buy in and, and dive into learning about the goaltending side of things too. And I love, you know, when I have, um, skill sessions and when I'm working with goalies, the, the forwards or the the defensemen, the players that are out there are, they're interested in learning about that position and what those tendencies are and and trying to understand the concepts, because it is a game of chess out there and you have to understand uh, what your, your opposition is doing and just knowledge is power, right. And gathering that wisdom, even though it's not your position, understanding what goes into that really just helps you understand the game. And that's all part of hockey IQ too. And just understanding other players' tendencies, even if you don't play that position. And I think that would be probably something that relates to that uh, bronze example that you were getting out there.
2: Yeah, I love that. And we have a a newsletter presentation coming out soon on solving the goalies. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, And Nick, just to hit on something you just said, I, for me personally, like shooting at those corn camps when I was a kid was like a huge step in my development because it was really the first time that you've ever really, for me at least like thought about like, okay, if I come in this way, what's the goalies, you know, perception, what's he saying? So that was a huge moment for me. Um, And then just to follow up on that, you know, I've thought a lot about how in the summers players used to, um, I don't know, this is kind of a generalization, but they would spend a lot of time like in the gym like working, working out, really. And whereas goalies, you know, would like focus on like improving some aspects, maybe like a nuanced part of their game. And I think you're starting to see more and more players kind of like take the summer to not that they're neglecting, you know, fitness or anything like that, but trying to basically match these goalies tit for tat because otherwise you're going to get like, get left behind. So I think you're, you're totally on there. Um, I got a couple more quick questions for you. So you've scouted obviously when you were at Miami, what do you, how would you say you would evaluate, you know, you're in the stands. How would you say you evaluate hockey IQ? Like when you're watching a game?
3: I actually think it's easy to evaluate um, the hard part is developing and teaching it um, quite simply, you know, when, when you're watching the game and you're paying attention to uh, the details and the structure, of the way things are happening, the smart players are going to be the ones that shine out there. They, they do things the right way. You see good decision-making. You, you don't see as many mistakes. Um, I think compete, and just, you know, bringing your best every shift is something that's part of that. But when you see players think the game at a really high level and they're not trying to do everything themselves, they're making other players better around them. That's where you see hockey IQ. And, and when you see players work together and use each other, that's when the game is beautiful. And when you have two or three players out on the ice at the same time that have, you know, similar hockey IQ and think the game and do it together rather than the kid that's just so talented and skates great and, you know, can wow you with his skills, but it's just an individualistic thing. That's great to watch, but that's not hockey. Um, So it's the players that involve their teammates. They make the right decision um, with and without the puck, positionally, angles, you know, change of speed, uh, puck protection, just all the little, I mean, we could go on and on. Um, but when you see it, it's, it's pretty easy to see it because it it stands out, um, you know, and the players that have that intelligence are the ones that are consistent and play at a high level. And, you know, when you show up any day of the week, they're going to be one of the best players on the ice because, you know, if, if they have the compete and the intelligence, you're going to have, you have those two things you're in really, really good, good shape. Give me that kid every single time, a kid that works hard and can really think it and you're going to have success. That's
2: awesome. All right. Last one for me. And thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Like finish this sentence for me. I will be happy with the state of the AAA Ohio blue jackets in five years. If
3: every kid that has played for us can say that it made
2: them a better person. Love that. Nice and concise. That's perfect. Taxpayers, yeah,
3: that's what it's all about. Um, it's not about guys getting to the NHL or college scholarships. Obviously, we want that, but we want to have a positive impact on every single kid and family that that plays for us, and we want to help prepare them um, for whatever they do in life, whether it's hockey or business or being a father or or mother or whatever. Just. You know, reach your potential and, and you know, take pride in being something, being part of something bigger than yourself as well. Sometimes you open your mouth and your inner cookie comes out. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'll he'll love that one. No, I, well, I, in all seriousness, um, you know, that's the life you and what you guys do at Akron um that's what the game is all about the game is about teaching life skills and it doesn't matter what level you play it at um those are the things you learn and it instills you know the values of hard work and how to be coachable and go through adversity and be accountable and you know that stuff's invaluable that's what makes successful people and there's no greater game in the world to to learn those attributes than than hockey so what you guys do in all seriousness it's it's incredible and i love following along and, and you know, studying up on, on those things too.
1: Well, thank you for that. Uh, we, we do our best and you, you do a wonderful job and it's only going to get better and better down in Columbus under your guidance. So, uh, at the end of every episode, we'd love to give two minutes Floor is all yours. You can talk about anything. The only thing we ask is if we give a nice book recommendation for our lifelong learners out there.
2: Oh
3: man. Um, the book, I will admit that that's one thing that I wish I was better at. I am a terrible reader. My patience doesn't exist for that. I, I love listening to podcasts and watching documentaries and, and learning that way. Reading has always been something that I've wanted to be better at, but I still haven't figured that out. My favorite books. So since you did ask, um, I have loved reading books. Um, Coach K's books, I think Leading with the Heart was one that I loved. Uh, Phil Jackson's books, Eleven Rings is the name of one of them. I've read most of their their books, and I've just been fascinated with their leadership and um, the way they've run their organizations and programs uh, and coached. So those have been some of my favorites. Um, The Legacy book about the All Blacks is one that I've kind of half read, and that would be the next one on my list. Um, I keep kicking myself that I haven't finished it, uh, but I want to start over. And that's kind of my the book that is now my goal to finish because I know that, that that's a special one. Um, but honestly, that's, that's one area of my life I wish I was better at reading and, and staying up, up to date and learning that way because I'm not very good at it. And I'll admit that. Um, just, just like players, we all learn differently. Yeah, we do. And that's not my favorite way to learn, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't try because it is important. Um, Just got to carve out the time for it and and buckle down. Um, But in terms of the open floor, I guess the the biggest thing I'd want to say is there's nothing more important than just being yourself. Um, You know, I've learned that over the years, you have to figure out who you are and bring your, your very best self to the table every day and whatever you're doing. Um, and be open-minded and respectful of others. You can learn from, from everybody. And the other thing is you never really know what somebody's going through and you never know when you're going to have an impact on another person's life. So always bring your best, be a good person, uh, but be yourself. Don't try to do it, uh, any other way than, than the way you want to do it and, and just be genuine. And, you know, that's not just hockey. That's, that's everything. And, uh, You know, I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that, myself included. I I have to try to remind myself that all the time. Awesome. That
1: was really well said, and I think that's a great way to end this episode. So thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck.
3: All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick.
1: Thank you for tuning into the Hockey IQ podcast. We are Hockey's Arsenal. Greg Riewak, and Dan Ducart. Together, we've come together to create a platform and a community to expand our hockey intelligence, hockey IQ, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We're very passionate about seeing this game played smarter and better and continue to develop itself uh, to the next level and staying on the cutting edge of things. So, you can find us at Hockey's Arsenal on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're also at Uh, Hockey'sArsenal.com. From there, you can find some resources and some options to work with us we're excited to continue this if you enjoyed this episode please like subscribe follow and share Uh, you can also join up for our newsletter as well where we're going to tackle anything hockey iq related so we're excited to have everyone here and continue to build
0: that concludes this week's episode Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockey'sarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you, Buttes, here next week for a brand new episode.